Welcome to Thinking on Your Feet, a podcast where I help you deal with the ginormous global issue of environmental change by walking you through some local historical cases and by walking you through it, literally. My name is Lois, and I'm a history student from Groningen in the Netherlands. I like to think about big problems, but often feel my thoughts are confined to the screen I'm looking at or the room I'm sitting in. You're welcome to listen to the first few minutes as you sit on the couch or behind your desk. But as we move on, please strap on your sneakers, take a walk, and join me in thinking on your feet. This is the first episode of this brand new podcast, so I'll start by telling you about the idea behind this podcast. I want you to be able to feel comfortable in working through such an overwhelming issue as environmental change. We live in the so-called Anthropocene Age which means the era in the Earth's existence that humans are the biggest influence on the environment. This puts a lot of responsibility on you and me to take action. This can seem daunting and a, pro- and a huge, unapproachable, wicked problem with many solutions that may or may not help much at all. It's the everyday individual practices that can be a way of protesting the patterns of a society whether they have been imposed by someone with more power or collectively created. The everyday practice of walking and listening can interrupt you going along with emotions and also give you space to think from a distance. This episode is an exercise in reflection at the hand of two historical cases. Today we will look at the history of human settlement on and use of the peatlands in the Dutch province of Drenthe. The topic of this episode and the concept we try to figure out together is human agency in the natural landscape. The point I want to reach is that we can look around at us at a landscape and not only think of the defining influence that humans have had there, we will treat the landscape as a multi-layered crisscrossing of physical and mental lines, stories and traces. Drenthe is an inland province in the Netherlands with an ancient landscape that holds traces of human settlement going back thousands of years, such as the well-known Hunebede. These are prehistoric funeral monuments. Um, The natural waterworks in Drenthe are many shallow streams and little canals, while the soil is mostly sandy, with large boggy areas um, covering the edges, northern edges of Drenthe, which we are interested in right now. I would like to feel less helpless in this situation, and I want to share this with you. I'll do this by helping you create a physical space of movement that should promote your thinking. We will think outside the box of your apartment or living room. We humans are an upright walking species, and our repeated walking makes marks in the landscape in the space in the shape of pathways. As humans, we added a layer to the earth, and it has become so big on the geological scale of things that this footprint on space and time is now called the Anthropocene. We humans cover or affect every square inch of the planet with our choices, actions, and products. But walking is also a technique of coping and psychological processing. Walking might seem a simple activity, but the motion of your feet allows you to explore and discover. As Rebecca Solnit, the author of Wanderlust, A History of Walking, says, A desk is no place to think on the large scale. 
physical movement goes along with movement of thought and ideas. I think it has become all the more important uh, to learn and think in this way, since technology now dominates our classrooms and also dominates how we approach um, the acquirement of knowledge. While we walk, we join the mind and body together in the physical and mental act of making knowledge and experiencing thoughts. I hope that this activity will make you more knowledgeable of the landscape after walking the land. Knowledge does not always have to be documented in text, and although you may be listening to my recorded words, the knowledge you gain from attentive and contemplative walking is different and not as easy to grasp. Another useful quote by Rebecca Solnit is, when you give yourself to places, they give you yourself back. The more one comes to know them, the more one seeds them with the invisible crop of memories and associations that will be waiting for you when you come back. When new places offer up new thoughts, new possibilities, exploring the world is one of the best ways of exploring the mind, and walking travels both terrains. Sense's relationship with water and fuel is a less mainstream story than is usually told when you think of the Netherlands and waterworks. We often think of the impressive polder of Flevolands or the deltas in Zeelands as examples of how humans have turned nature to their own hand. But Drenthe is an example of a landscape where human settlement and meddling has a long, ancient history. This gives us the opportunity to put human influence into a long-term perspective, back past the Anthropocene even. I will tell you the story of the peat people of Drenthe, which goes two ways. One, the people of Drenthe built their houses on terpa and virden of peat in the Middle Ages. These are large artificial platforms that protect farms from flooding. Um, this includes areas like Ildermade and Paisermade in northwestern Drenthe. And then next, the people of Drenthe cut the peat from boggy areas for fuel use and to create more agricultural land. Here we're talking about the Hunzedal, or the valley around the river Hunze in northeastern Drenthe. So the relationship between the people of Drenthe and peat is one of addition as well as removal. I'll show you that human relationships to the land around them can include different processes of influence. First, Ildermada and Paisermada are at the inland edge of the northwest European coastal wetlands. Up until the High Middle Ages, terp building was a common practice that helped protect farms from flooding before dikes were built all along the coast of the Netherlands. Terp building was vital for the survival of medieval households in the coastal wetlands and affected the way the land was used in northwest Tenta. There are three ways this land was used, depending on how humans treated the landscape. The first phase of human settlement here was in the 7th and 6th century before Christ, and was based on exploitation. This means that humans settled in the salt marshes incidentally, or seasonally, when the climate was dry enough for the land to be used. Think of shepherds moving flocks and cattle in to allow the animals to graze. From the 10th century onward, humans decided to move from exploiting the landscape 
to modifying it. This modification is the building of artificial platforms made of peat. This made permanent settlement possible um, by humans improving drainage, which allowed the peat to become dry enough to make up the foundation of a house year-round. Starting in the 12th century, the building of dikes around the coast completely transformed the landscape, drying it out even more and allowing for widespread agricultural use. These dikes meant the end of an era where human settlement was largely decided by marine rather than human influence. Moving forward, the primary human activities and needs would determine settlement patterns, such as agricultural activities and the demand for peat as fuel. Now we've seen an example of how the people in Denensa moved to the land and even created extra dry land. After the building of dikes, the landscape in Denensa became drier. As more marshes were drained, the landscape refilled its rich, rich sources of peat as fuel rather than a place to live. This is where we move on to our second story of the removal of land by humans in the Hunza Valley. Many villages in the Hunza Valley end with the suffix fane, such as Bannerfane, Hosselternyfane, New Honorfane, Exloerfane. Fane is another word for turf or peat in English. By the Middle Ages, most of the trees in the Netherlands, including in Drenthe, had been cut and people had to look to a different source of fuel to keep warm and cook. For this reason, the peat in the bogs of Drenthe was cut for fuel. To explain, peat formation is a result of decomposing matter from plants that hasn't disintegrated completely because the area has been waterlogged. This waterlogging cuts off access to oxygen, and in the Netherlands, this kind of formation started at a large scale about 10,000 years ago. When the climate became wetter, the sea level rose and water drainage stagnated. When the peat became visible, it was cut from the land in slabs and dried. After this, it was the perfect consistency for fuel. From the 11th until the 18th century, the Netherlands used dried peat as the main source of fuel. Often, after cutting the peat from a bog area, this area was turned into agricultural land, changing the landscape even more. Thinking like this while we walk can make us realize that the balance in human-environment relations has started tipping towards humans for a long time. As we walked, we thought about which characteristics of the landscape affect the presence of humans there, in mostly pre-modern times, and how the modern demands of human existence affect the characteristics of the landscape. Should we move with nature, like the people of Drenthe in Ildermade and Pijsermaden, or should we move nature, like the people in the Hunzedal? Is there even a choice in how this human-environment relationship takes shape? We can see environmental change as a historical phenomenon, going against our current tendency to mean only a small part of environmental change when we talk about it. What do we mean when we say environmental change or climate change? Really, 
What we mean are the rapid extreme changes that we are dealing with in our own present. In Delanza, we see this happened on a small scale. A diverse landscape made way for human settlement and agriculture. The peat that was left behind by thousands of years of continuous wetlands was cut out and burned up in mere centuries. It makes us question the sustainability of human settlement even before microplastics became an issue. This helps us think about sustainable attitudes toward nature and helps us create a moment of reinterpretation of thinking outside of the box of capitalism and thinking more about the physical presence of humans in the landscape.